Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. The show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too, and I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. I'm so excited to have Megan Gillane, CEO and founder of the SOS Advantage here today. And this is a conversation I've been really looking forward to having. So I'm so happy to have you, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on, first of all. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I saw all your podcast stuff, listened to some of your old episodes, and I was like, okay, this is this is going to be fun. <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm, that makes me feel so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> we, we like strive to have it be a fun experience and a fun conversation. So um, I'm glad that, that you felt that way. Tell us, uh, for people listening here, give the quick little intro and background on like what your business is, what you do, just kind of the, the short version, because obviously we're going to jump into a lot more about it in a few minutes, but give people your little intro. All right. So I'm Megan Galane. I am the CEO founder of the SOS Advantage, where we build operational systems for CEOs in the service-based industry. So that ranges from like the like service, like HVAC, plumbing, attorneys, um, but then also coaching side and agencies and, and businesses online. And I got into this, it was really interesting. I had friends who would always ask me to help them like organize and make this better. And then I actually worked in kind of the last seven prior to doing this, seven years prior, um, I worked at my family's company where I was the young one coming in and wanting to digitize everything. They were still doing paper and scanning and emailing everything to each other when we got started. And then I came in and made everything digital and then honestly left after that. I was like, okay, everything's done here. There's nothing nothing else for me to do. And I just found my love and passion for systemizing uh, through all my experience um, that actually came from burnout. So that's when I got like really heavy into it. So, I mean, that was like a really weird way to explain what I do, but that's what I do. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I think it, it gives a sense, but yeah, tell, I mean, tell us a little more, I guess, about, you know, your actual inspiration for starting it. Was it working at your parents or your family's company and seeing that this was like a need for people or like, did you go straight from there to starting your own thing or where the, was there like other steps kind of that led you to actually starting? Yes. So I went to, it was called at the time, like a guerrilla business school type of you know, seminar where they're like selling you 80 different things from the stage, but it's three days of a ton of information. Maybe, maybe even been four days, but it was a ton of information. And they were like, oh, you can sell e-commerce or you could do e-commerce on the side of your business, or you could do it on the side of uh, working your normal job and it could be all this passive income. They sold it as passive income. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And at the time, the guy I was dating, I was like, we can do this. He had a very like sporadic job. He modeled. And so it was like, you have time. He has time. I could just help you organize it. You run this company and we could be making like that passive income, whatever that passive income looks like that, like word that we all hope mm -hmm. for one day. Right. Mm -hmm. And they sold me on that a big expensive package. And the coaching was, uh, 
below average. Mm. <laughs> the nicest way is awful coaching package. But in the meantime, I learned so much. I learned about Zapier. I learned about online digital marketing. I And it was because they would tell me just enough information where it gave me the, the info that I could go YouTube and Google it or find people who are really talking about it. Mm. Where the coaching package I was in, they just, they didn't, they didn't practice what they preached. And so mm. Um, it was really difficult. So I actually got into learning about systems when it came to the e-commerce side. So it was it was a weird entry. It was more for like passive income on the side. And I was working a norm like the normal nine to five-ish. I was in marketing and sales in my parents' company. And so I, I worked a little bit weirder hours than like a nine to five, but that was my nine to five job. And then um, doing e-commerce on the side. And because of the e-commerce, I started to hit burnout. So I'm a super high achiever. I'm sure like many of you are. And I was like, I have to do this. Like I, I, I committed to it. We're going to do this. We're going to go full in. Of course, I can't just dip my toe in it. I'm like, we're, we're going to be doing this. We're going to be making 10,000 a month passive income from drop shipping. And I was just really, really into it. And I would work nine to five, come home, say like eat dinner. So by seven, I would get back on the computer and I was working from like 7 p.m. to like 1, 2 a.m. in the morning and repeating it over and over again, where I eventually did hit burnout. I and I was actually medically diagnosed. I had um, a adrenal fatigue. I had a hormonal imbalance and a vitamin deficiency. And through all of that, the doctor, I chose to go the natural way. And my natural doctor, who I still see to this day, who's an amazing friend of mine, she was the first person to sit me down and say, if you continue down this path at 24 years old, you will um, be you will be going through uh, pre, you'll be going through menopause if you don't make a change right now. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have an option. You need to choose business or you need to choose um, you need to choose your health. And she was like, obviously, I think you should choose your health and not be 24 going through menopause, but um, you need to make a choice and and you need to do it fast. So did that. She was like, okay, commit to a year of keeping balance and your health and let's see where we get from there. So I followed her directions within the first month, lost like 10 pounds because this time I had put on like probably 30 or 40 pounds, which on my frame is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a smaller frame. And so it showed very, very it showed a lot to just say that. And so, um, yeah, so we did. So I, I followed her direction first month, lost about 10 ish pounds. I was like, okay, she knows what she's doing. I could trust her went all in. And after a year of choosing my health, what I learned is, um, I'm never going to stop business. I'm never going to stop doing what I enjoy doing, which is creating the businesses. So I had to learn to, to systemize. I had to learn how to delegate. I had to learn how to run a team efficiently. And that's what I did instead of stopping. So I listened kind of to her, but uh, but learned the systems on the side. So it was like, how can I, I Googled, YouTubed everything. How do I do this without having to spend hours doing it? And I learned all about systems just literally because I was forced to. Wow. That's, that's quite the story. There definitely was more to it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. And like, I try to explain this, especially to women, like you're constantly trying to show up. You're constantly trying to be the mom, the wife, the girlfriend, whatever it is. And at some point, something's going to have to give when they say like, you need to choose one thing in business, stick to it, one marketing method, stick to it. And, and then you'll, you'll, you know, do numbers. That's really the same thing when it comes to life and seasons of balance, where at that time I was like, well, in order for me to live the life I want to live, I have to figure this out. And so everything else had to get out of my way and, and 
I was, I'm thankfully at a time where that was easy to do. I don't have kids. I got rid of the man um, that wasn't doing his job in the business. Like, <laughs> so it was just a little bit, a little bit different. And I just hate when women don't take this part of their business serious because a lot of times women have kids or they have a family, they have things going on where you don't have a choice, but to have systems. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so how I, I want to kind of go into um, kind of skipping ahead. I mean, I want to dive so much into like systems and how we can use them and what we should do. But first, since kind of going along with what you've been talking about, you said, you know, you could never let the business go. You, you were never not going to do any business. You just had to figure out how to make it all work together kind of. But what do you, what have you found now? Like, what is that like whether we use the word balance or, or whatever, mm -hmm. sometimes we hate that word. I know, but how have you figured out how to make it work? How to do both as, as like now your business has grown since then. And you've obviously found a way to make it be successful. But as you said, also realize that, you know, your health and taking care of yourself is really important. Is there anything that you've kind of implemented that you think has really made that work? Yes. So um, my first year in building systems just for my own business, I still worked with my family's company. So I would work with them the normal hours that I had you know, set. But a big part of those hours was creating all the SOPs, so standard operating procedures, the checklist, the documentation to make sure I could hand off my job. And as I was doing this, what I realized was we think that something in our business is systemized, but we really just create a system of how we, how we do it and create, how do I explain this? We create a, um, we create us in the picture. And so how I like to explain this to the CEOs I work with is if you were to not be available for the next month, could somebody hop in and run your company? Could we hop in and run your company? If not, then it's not, it's not systemized. And I feel like we're overusing the word system systemized. So just bear with us on this one. Um, system includes like the processes, the, the team training, the the automations the, those types of things so it's like the uh, business as, as a whole is how i like to use systems um so that's why we we use that word a lot but um yeah so if you can't if you cannot not show up in your business for a month then there's something that needs to be documented there's something that needs to be ironed out because we just built the business around us. So we created a glorified job for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at leaving my company, my, my family's company, um, a big part of that last year was making sure that I did not create this position to be just me or around me. Anybody could step in and do that job. Um, you're replaceable. You should always be replaceable, especially in your own company. Um, it's your brain. It's your brand. It's all of that. That's great. But you should be replaceable always. And so that was what I focused on. And so as I'm building this new company while replacing myself at another company, it made it really interesting because I immediately went into how do I systemize and build this and how, what, what processes, procedures do I need to put in place to replace myself almost immediately. <laughs> mm. And that was how I built my business was how am I going to replace myself immediately? Let's make sure the margins make sense. Cause that's something that nobody talks about mm. is the money side. How do I, how and who do I need to hire to make sure I can replace myself, whether they're ready or not right now, 
that's what that's its own thing but who is that person that i can hire that I can eventually take over what i'm doing who do i need to hire to do the admin tasks the the doer work for me and for that person and so when i went into building my now systems agency it was very much of how do i build this to immediately remove myself and i took a massive pay hit my first year my first official year in business by building this way, like full transparency, you're having to pay somebody who's going to eventually replace you. They're not going to come cheap. Mm -hmm. And that was my choice. That's what I decided to do. I had money set aside for myself for building this. I, I budgeted really heavily. I, you know, made sure my bills were really inexpensive or things were paid off, but, um, I don't always recommend doing that. Let me be very clear. That was super scary, <laughs> but it made it so that the person that I hired, she started with me August, 2021. And at this point I can walk away from my business and every client prefers to talk to her. Every client knows she's the one that's going to make sure the team delivers. Like I'm honestly replaceable at my own company now. Wow. Amazing. Okay. So that's, let's, uh, I, I, I want to hear more about how you, <laughs> so I feel like that's something that people always struggle with. Like, I'm sure like, that's why people hire you, but I, cause I feel like I've talked to so many people and it's, it's especially that, that kind of transition. So I feel like people, a lot of people start out sort of like freelancing or like as a consultant or whatever wording you want to use, like it's just them doing a service for clients mm -hmm. and then re start to realize like, well, they need help for whatever reason, either they want to take on more clients or, or have too much work, or they want to not spend as much time and they bring on like someone to help them. And then I feel like it's that moment when you have like maybe when you, when you move from like, just having like two or three, like two or three of you and then to like adding that third or fourth person or something like that. And it's like, wait a minute, this is actually like more of an, an agency or a company or, you know, depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. Like for me, we, we are, I, I have a PR agency. That's like what I, my day job besides doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's that minute when you kind of end up being like, wait a minute, we're actually an agency. And so many things are still, I mean, this is really what you're touching on. I think so many things are still kind of like running the way they were when, when it was just me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it can feel so hard and scary. I think, or just, just to know like what to do to, to shift things. And I, I hear so many people who are like, but my clients all expect every, this to be from me or to see me on the meetings or to have this be done by me. Or also I hear a lot of kind of like, how do you make that leap from like, if you can't necessarily pay yourself too much less, but it's like, you kind of, you need more help in order to step away more, but you're not yet, you know, bringing in mm -hmm. enough. You don't have, you don't have the capacity yet for that many more clients to make that difference. Like there's just like these sticking points. I think when we go from starting something that was like just us or just us and like maybe one other person to then actually growing. And it's so hard to actually know like what the right steps are to, to step more into that CEO role and step back from like the day to day. That's like one of the hardest transitions that I wish it was smoother, but even like the people that I see going through that. So inside we have an incubator, which is like 
it's more of like a done with you type of program. It's not a course. I don't like to call it a course because I like hand, handhold people through it. But um, with our done with you clients, we see that happen so often. It is so messy and it's so scary. And that's actually where a lot of people fall off is they're like, this is too hard. And then they stay small or they push through this take the jump, either commit, whether it's taking a little less pay for a couple months, if it's, um, you know, hiring the right person. A lot of times people will try and go cheap and hire somebody really inexpensive, but then have to train them, which, you know, just leads you more to burnout. Um, so it just, it kind of depends, right, on what people are comfortable with. But we see people go through this phase and they make it or they don't. It's really, it's really interesting to watch where I was telling my team one day, I was like, I, we, I feel like we need to put like a disclaimer because this is the part where you go from a solopreneur to a, either a team or starting to step, want to step into that CEO role where it's like, this is the hardest decisions, the hardest handoff. You have to stay consistent with it, even during hard times. And yeah, like if, if that, that phase itself could have a disclaimer, I would totally give that to people because it's, you don't have to take a pay cut if you set it up properly at the beginning, which a lot of us don't because we started right, like right. or like that. Yeah. And so like I can, my biggest suggestion to anybody to set this for the second that you start doing additional work or you start thinking that you're going to want some freelancers, set it up as the profit first model um, where if you guys have not heard of that, it's a book by Mike. I can't say his last name ever, but it's it's by Mike. And um, he talks about basically building your business from the start as a cash business, where if you were to build your business like that, you then have the ability to budget for your, your pay, budget for your bonuses. If you hit you know certain numbers, you're budgeting for taxes, operating expenses. You could start a budget for payroll. So you may not be there yet, but you could be putting maybe 10% aside for that future payroll, where when this time comes, then you have the money handy to, to, to set somebody up in that position. So biggest takeaway from here right now, go buy profit first, set up your business like the profit first model. And now you, when you get there, whether it's when you're starting a couple, a few months from now, whatever it is, you have the money set aside for some payroll. Yeah, that's, that sounds very smart. <laughs> I feel like and nobody does that, right? Because it, it's, that's the hard part. You're like making money. I remember my first $20,000 month and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And that's what I did. I did not follow my own advice I'm giving you. It was a lesson learned. And I definitely could have set myself up more for success if I would have followed these directions. <laughs> yeah, it's easier easier said than done, right? But of but course. also you learn as you go. I think, I mean, yeah, it's 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 having that forethought too, kind of, because I know like when I started my company, but like, you know, when it was just me. 10 years ago, I was like, Oh, I just only ever want it to be just me. Like I had no desire to start a bigger company or an agency or have anybody working with me or for me. Like I didn't want that kind of responsibility or like structure mm -hmm. or anything like that. And then, but then like things change. And then, you know, within five years, I wanted that. I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to do everything myself forever. That's awful. <laughs> and, and then I, re and then like, yeah, that desire to actually build it into something bigger than myself though, wasn't there for the first couple of years in business. So I feel like 
yeah, having that forethought from the beginning was was really smart on your part. Oh, I mean, I wish I started more towards the beginning. It took me like probably like six or seven months before realizing that this is what I wanted. This is how I wanted it to set up. But I was, and this is a whole different topic we could talk about another day, is like people that you hire for coaching, make sure they're actually like, they're actually have your best interest at heart and see your vision where like when I first started, I didn't in this business, like I did not have a coach that understood my vision of like what, what it looked like. And so he was like pressuring me to like sell, 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 sell. I was, which obviously worked. I was having 20,000, 30,000 months right when I started. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I I'm by myself right now. This is wild. (laughs) Wow. And like that, that was what pushed me to start building it as an agency. Like the coaching worked. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this coaching. It worked, but, but I wish like it would have, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, but, but just making sure that the coach aligns with what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. I just like really clearly remember calling him crying. Like, this is not it. Like, I hate this. I'm working a nine to five. I'm working. Uh, I'm getting back to my crazy work hours. What is, I don't know how to fix this. And he's like, well, you build systems. Why aren't your systems set up? I'm like, because you was giving me no time. Like, I've been trying to meet our numbers. <laughs> It was very like numbers focused. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, like now any coach that I hired, it's very much about like me, how do I find my balance Mm -hmm. in the business? How do I, um, how do I make sure I stay aligned and still provide a ton of value? Cause that's what, that's one of my favorite parts is like podcast interviews. Um, we have whiteboard Wednesday, every Wednesday where it's literally free business content. Like where do I keep, where do I keep the balance of providing free content, but also selling. And so that's what I always now focus on where I could still have these 20, $30,000 months, but I'm very balanced in my, my balance. Yeah, that's important. I mean, it, you can go for so long just focusing on the money, but if you're not like doing what feels aligned or doing what you enjoy or feeling like you're actually having the impact that you wanted with the company, it's only going to take you so long. It, yes, exactly. And that's as that freelancer, as you get moving in business, you have to be aware because the money starts to look really good, but then you don't realize you're working 80 hours a week. <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's actually good. So I I love what you said about the profit first and setting up your systems kind of when it comes to profit and or revenue and bank, bank systems and stuff like that. Are there any other kind of, I mean, I hate to, I know it totally depends on the, on the company and stuff, but are there any kind of like other go-to systems or, or things that you kind of tell people to start with if somebody comes to you and they're like, listen, I haven't done any of this stuff. Like I, my business is not running on systems or I want to remove myself, but I'm already too deep in it. Like any kind of main areas that you usually tell people to start or like certain systems that they should like definitely implement besides that. Yeah. So it's definitely looking at your business model, right? So anybody could take this no matter what type of business that you have and determine like what you're doing. So like I have a meeting later with a photographer, videographer. Um, so what, like, what is she doing? So I asked, I have like a really in-depth questionnaire. So she's sending proposals, she's sending invoices, she's booking uh, calendar dates, like for shoots and then the deliverable process. So editing, um, you know, whether it's like an immediate turnover events, stuff like that, look at your business. 
And I like to actually draw it out. So I disconnect completely from the computer, but that's also me, do you? <laughs> but I disconnect from the computer, take a, a blank piece of paper. I have like a sketch notebook that I use a lot and literally draw what happens from start to finish. So just like her, she sends the proposal, then there's a quote or the proposal with a quote, and then they choose yes or no. And then they need to sign a contract and then they need to pay the invoice. So like it's called a workflow. So you set up that workflow and then based off that workflow, determine like what is your non-negotiable. So for her, for the photography business will be that she needs a, a proposal software. She needs the ability for them to select if they want to move forward and then a cart. So somewhere for them to check out and then somewhere for them to um, pay, of course, that was checkout pay. And then um, somewhere for like the deliverables to happen or whatever, the communication. So, so often we, what I see inside of like a, a freelance businesses is that we just start piecemealing free stuff together mm. where, okay, you may send a proposal via Canva doc. Then they email you yes, and then you have to send them a, a contract via Adobe Signature because it's free, and then they sign that, and then you have to send them a, a Stripe invoice, and you can see like where it pieces together and makes the sales process really long. Where could you pay, you know, thirty-five to sixty-five dollars, looking at a software that can do the proposal, the cart, the um the contract and and maybe like some communication or something like look at what the non-negotiables are and then search for softwares that do those non-negotiables and so for her like i already know she uses honeybooks but she uses honeybooks but based off of her questionnaire she's not using honeybooks to the fullest extent mm -hmm. so then what i like to tell people is once you choose those non-negotiables, you find a couple of softwares, go, go um, get on the phone with the softwares. If they have the ability to get the, on the phone, watch some YouTube videos of people in your industry, if they're using those softwares and see how they're using it and get some ideas. You don't have to be super system savvy to look at this. It's uncomfortable. You're going to really press like your personal boundaries because I'm sure you're creative. This isn't in your like normal to-do list. This is a normal task for you, but just setting up this one system could, inc could um, speed up the sales process and decrease your workload almost immediately. Yeah. So, so that's like, that is one of the biggest things that people can do to just get it started. Whether you're, you're a freelancer, you're just starting an agency, you're realizing you want to start an agency, just get the sales process automated as much as possible. Because if it's easy for people to give you the money, then more money will come. Yeah. Then you'll have eventually a project management system, a, a backend system update that needs to happen. Well, let's address that when we get there. Could you look at that now? Yes, of course. But if you're not selling consistently or you're just getting started, sometimes it's hard to set up that system because you don't know actually what you need or want. So just getting the sales process is number one. And then you'll start looking at how do I do this operation so it's really smooth and nothing gets missed. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. What about, um, that sounds like something that you can definitely do when you're still like, even when you're the only person in the company, for example, like that's something oh, yeah. you to do, even if it's just you, just so you're not spending a ton of your time with that kind of back and forth. Are there anything like any kind of major systems that you think of are as some of the most important once there's like a team involved or like, um, selfishly thinking about 
my company where, I mean, sales, I mean, I have a pretty good process, but also like as a PR agency, like we don't bring on, we're not like consistently bringing on new clients or selling like on a monthly basis. Cause we work with people for, you know, 12 months, sometimes six months, but like, we're only bringing on a couple new clients a year really. So mm-hmm. like the actual contracts and that kind of stuff really doesn't take that much time for me. It's more like how to, I guess, set up or manage systems internally that help us work together as a team or manage individual clients when we're doing really pretty different things for every single client that we work with. So I think that's kind of like maybe a struggle that other. So we use ClickUp. I love ClickUp because it's very customizable. Yeah. So ClickUp is my go-to. I do have clients that use Asana and then I have one client that uses Notion. Mm -hmm. Um, And for my client that uses Notion, she uses it for the client facing side, which is very interesting. I actually had never seen it set up that way, but as a client of hers and as somebody who um, sees her back end, like it, it actually really works how she, how she divides up the software. So click up on the operational side, but Notion on the front end. I don't always recommend that. Let me just give that this that little warning. But but for her, I do. Um, she has a social media management agency, and it just kind of works. But we use ClickUp for everything, uh, all of our projects, our client-facing stuff. Our uh, Inside of ClickUp, you could do a dashboard, mm-hmm. and that dashboard could then, um, the client could have access to the dashboard. You could set up a communication portal directly through there, which is like just their version of kind of Slack. Um, so that they can contact your team in there. So just making it um, useful to however like your clients would use it. So we, I spent, it was so funny. When I first got started and like thought that my clients would use this portal, I made like a video for it. I made it all customized, like made it the best, this amazing dashboard where it showed them everything where we're at with all the projects. Well, my average client is a very busy CEO who can barely handle their current workload. I don't know why I thought that they would be logging in to a dashboard to ask where things are at. They just come to their weekly meeting and that's when they ask when things are at or where we're talking You're the only one who ever looks at the dashboard. Yes. (laughs) So I ended up just ditching the whole dashboard. We do actually make like a Google site with all of their links for them so that they're really easy and accessible. And on our first meeting, once we onboard them, we have them pin the Google site to their um, browser so that they can click on that and find everything that they need if they ever need it. Oh, that's so just you want like once you get selling and get moving in your business, understanding what your client will and won't use before you spend time and, and investments and in setting that up. So for me, I, I thought they would love it because I'm a systems person. I love that, mm-hmm. but that's what I love is not what they love. And so like for you, for the PR agency, doing some sort of dashboard may be really helpful so that they can come in and see like what projects you guys are working on or what's being submitted. And then instead of you like emailing them, it could all be posted there with timelines and things like that. Mm. But I always, I think interviewing clients and asking them what they would like or what type of communication they would like or how we can make it better is always going to be your best way to make sure your investment is is getting used the best possible way. Yeah, definitely. We use ClickUp on the back end, but we've never actually opened that up to clients. But but um, we're also kind of, I think, the, that person that you're talking about who's like, we use the tool, we have it, uh, we have it. And we obviously use it like every day, but 
I think we're probably only using it like, you know, 20% of what we really (laughs) could. Like, I know there's so much more we could do with it. And it's exactly what you said. Like, well, I mean, yeah, we, we switched to it, you know, when we're from something else thinking it would be better and it has been better, but you know, we were already busy. Like I just didn't even, I was like, okay, like this is the new thing. And we kind of figured it out as we went and never probably looked into (laughs) some of the better ways that we could be utilized or just like, you know, taking it further, utilizing it even more. I'm sure. And that's what people like a lot of times. So when we like come in uh, with clients and do like a whole systems rebuild, they're like, Oh, I want to switch over to this software or this software is not working. And then I log in and they've done like a to-do list on it. And I'm like, okay, well, You haven't even tried (laughs) and your team's not using it. So you wonder why you don't know what's going on in your team, but nobody has commented in the last six months. So let's actually build this out. And before we move everything and spend a lot of time changing that, let's, let's use what you made a decision on a while ago and use it to the best of its ability. And with ClickUp, which I'm, it's weird because it's like obviously a positive for like really detailed people. And I'm going to say this and it's going to sound crazy because I have a systems agency. I'm not super detailed. Mm. I just like a lot of detail. And with the, with, with the detail, I can make decisions really quickly because I've been in a leadership role for a while at my family's company. So as long as somebody brings me details, I can make informed, educated decisions. And so I knew that from the start of building the systems agency. So our project management board, I was never going to be the right person to build that board. My project manager needed to build that board. Mm -hmm. So I literally just sat on a Zoom call and we talked through it. So I know how to use it. I know why they have things, how they have it. But to me, it is overkill. But it works for my project manager, who is extremely detailed to the point where I go crazy sometimes listening to her tell me the details. <laughs> but but like, the right person built it for them, for us and our team. And so, um, you know, just having that balance, like if details aren't your thing, well, who's running the detailed side of your business? Could they potentially build it and then tell you how to use it? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And that, again, it comes back to like, how can you remove yourself or not have you, you be the bottleneck kind of, I feel like that's often the problem too, right? It's like mm-hmm. the bottleneck on certain things because you still want to, like, if you were like, no, I need to understand or, or be on top of every aspect of, of managing each project, then that would probably be getting more in your way than helping than, than it is having her just manage it when she gets it and, and knows what needs to happen and you just trust her to deal with it. And as CEOs, it's so hard for us to give up that control because we think that we need to be a part of everything when realistically giving somebody else that ownership and that project that they can own and be proud of and show off and be of help will actually increase like the connection to the company and help with company culture because it's it's using a product or whatever, setting up the the system that they're using every day. So they're going to point out if anything's wrong, they're going to take ownership and make that change, that change immediately. They're not going to be dependent on you making that fix. And so as when you give up that control, it's so uncomfortable, especially the first few times that you do it, um, it as a CEO, but the person that takes over that project, you'll probably have like a hundred times better results because they're owning it. And they're owning it because they know they have to report back to you. And the team is going to be judging it the same way they built, they judged the systems you built. Right. Yeah. What, um, wait, there was something I was just, gonna... <laughs> um, 
Oh, no, kind of unrelated. I was just what I just had a thought that came into my head. Um, I'm curious, is your team fully remote? So you're kind of working all online with everybody? Yes. So I have one American. She works in New York. She's the one that started with me in August. And prior to her starting, I have um, one, May, Michelle. I have four overseas in the Philippines. Mm. Uh, one of them has been with me for about seven years. So she's been just helping me with life really for the last seven years. And then um, the other three they started a few months before the American I work with started. Um, so they had their year probably in like July, June, July-ish. And what I quickly realized was I quickly became the bottleneck. I'm not detailed. So me having all these people doing all these things, doing the QA was so hard reviewing their work. It became like dreadful for me to show up. And I immediately was like, after, so we have a women's event, but after the event, I was like, I have to get this figured out because I'm, I am the problem right now. Mm -hmm. I know I am. I hate what I'm doing. It's so uncomfortable. I keep making mistakes. And literally Steph came up to me, who's my COO. She came up to me at the event, like, Hey, let's, let's talk. Like I'm ready to get moving inside of what you're I'm ready to just kind of see what what's available. And it was just, it was really crazy how it worked out because I knew I had to find somebody for that job and I was dreading the job. And then I was also dreading trying to replace myself in that job and trust somebody and just the right person came. It, all the pieces really fell together really, really amazingly. I love that. I feel like that's the way it happens, or at least that's the way you hope it happens, but I feel like it yeah. does tend to happen that way, which is just so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of, I feel like a lot of us, especially like now, um, like after COVID, I mean, mm -hmm. are remote, like we have been remote ever since and probably, I don't know if we're going to stay that way or not, but I know a lot of people listening do run remote companies or work with people, um, virtually now, especially. Um, and so I was kind of wondering, like, is there anything specifically for remote like teams that you recommend, or is it kind of the same thing or, like it, as if you were there in person, um, like in an office altogether, or are there like other certain systems or certain, um, um, oh my God, what's sort of like for challenges that you feel like come up more in, in teams that aren't like face to face all the time. Like, I feel like just that communication aspect is a whole, um, that's a good question. So, and this, I do think I'm a little skewed on cause I've always ran and worked with remote teams. My family's mm -hmm. company is based out of Boise, Idaho, and I'm oh. in Tampa, Florida. Oh, so you've been remote even, even before. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I've always really been remote. Um, I mean, I've had people who work with me in person here in Florida, but nothing the size of the office in Idaho. Mm -hmm. So running the team, it comes down to communication. And as the CEO, we're going to get kind of, kind of deeper on this one as the CEO, like I do believe CEOs probably should always be focusing on healing and some sort of like work for themselves and their mental health. Because if, as a CEO, if you're not able to effectively communicate your team, no matter if you're in person or virtual, it's going to fail. Mm. And so like therapy is really big. Um, and I don't do like therapy every week or anything like that, but just definitely when I see a problem in the company mm. or in myself or frustration, like my first thought is like, okay, it's a me problem. I need to go to therapy. I need to figure out the solution for me on this. And before 
any blame happens or any tough conversations happen, I need to make sure that I did everything I could do as the CEO and my communication was on point. So I think that's just like one, it's a CEO thing, not really just a virtual or in-person, yeah. but I do think that's a missing step in a lot of leaders where they'll start to, well, this person's not doing the job right, so everything's wrong, but did you effectively communicate it? Because like we've had clients that we've let go because the CEO was making random decisions and never informing us. And then the day before a launch, expecting us to build a whole automated email sequence when we're like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't even know what you're talking about. And it came down to communication where it was like, no, like our team does not operate in this chaos. We really communicate. We literally have a weekly meeting so you can communicate at least a week ahead, you know, in advance. Mm -hmm. And here we are last minute and you're wondering wondering why something's not done when you never told anybody on the team about it. Wow. So, but that I do, I do think just comes down to like a CEO leadership thing where you need to be working on you always. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And it's, of course it's hard or it feels hard. I hate to say it's hard, but it always feels like the thing that takes the back burner, right. When it's like, well, but you know, the client, this client thing needs me or my team needs me to do this or that, like tangible, immediate to do's. And then and then the most important things take the back burner sometimes. Mm-hmm. It does. And what what eventually, right, a, a leader will find that all these things are your, your mental health and you taking you time will keep taking the back burner. But then you do hit that burnout or you hit that time where it doesn't make sense what you're doing. The money doesn't make sense. The you know, all of that, it just doesn't connect anymore. And you're like, oh, I hate everything. I'm going to pivot. But did you actually do the deeper work to either communicate? Did you do the deeper work to determine like that this business was ever aligned with me? Hmm. Or did you just do something? Yeah, I I, I just think so. I'm a big fan of, and it doesn't even have to be therapy. Like it could be any type of healing self-help, like always investing in yourself, going to conferences, getting out and about and just meeting other people, not even just in your industry, in your industry, but but also in other industries who are doing amazing things. Everybody has their own story. Whether or not you went to therapy doesn't mean you're a bad leader. You may have skills and things that you use that I've never heard of or thought of. Just getting to talk to people and hear like how they do things is always I think a benefit to any type, any leader. Yes, I agree. I do. That's what, hence why I started this podcast. No, I truly think it's so helpful and important to just like have those conversations and, and be able to talk about it, but also to hear about what other people are doing and ha- things other people have kind of discovered that help them or, um, yeah, just being able to even talk through things, even if they don't have a solution can be really helpful. So, no, I totally agree. And I think that, I think it's really important, whether it is therapy or other kind of like learning opportunities, professional development. Like I think that that's really important for any CEO too, to just always be kind of working on improving, I guess, improving Mm -hmm. yourself and also things that you can then bring into the company and help with your team and how you're running things and all of that stuff. I feel like there's, it's almost like a responsibility to just constantly be looking into new opportunities for growth, I guess, all the time, because the things that you're doing and the ways that you're having to run the, like the business, it changes 
over time too. Everything's, I feel like a, a company is so just always in motion, right? It's like always. So you have always. to always be kind of like thinking about new things, learning new things, figuring out new ways of doing things kind of exhausting, but also exciting. But as the CEO, that's supposed to be your job where you're, you are on the forefront of everything you're doing. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not getting the mental breaks and you're not delegating. How can you continue to be on the forefront? Yeah. I feel like I need to turn that into a quote and give us all permission to feel (laughs) that that is the right thing. I don't know. I can't be the only one who struggles with it though. You know, like it is, it is important. I, I have been feeling it a lot lately. So <laughs> we, we all better. have seasons. So like, don't be hard on yourself. We have seasons. I have seasons. I'm giving you this advice because I just came out of this season, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's what you do to get out of the season versus what you do to, to not change. Like you don't change. You can, you can choose to change or choose not to change. What are you doing as a CEO to make sure you change and change for the better of yourself, your team and your company? Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. We could keep talking, but I, I feel like we can't. So tell me, is there, is there anything else that you want to share? Anything else that I didn't like think to ask that CEOs need to know or, or that people teams need to know, or that anybody listening should keep in mind or I think this was an amazing podcast interview if I do say so myself but (laughs) everything if you take just like I really do believe if you go through this again um this podcast like listen to it once listen to it again and then take the action just Mm -hmm. like a quick action step it's profit first so get your money system under control so that you can plan for whatever you want and you're building a cash company and then to making sure you build out that workflow that makes sense and find some sort of system that works for your non-negotiables so that you can from the get-go start off on the right foot of having some system in place that it's easy to pay you I think that those are the two really big things that um, this can help with. And then also remember, you're a human. Number three, you're a human. We're all human. We all should be working on ourselves and bettering ourselves and and just well, continuing to do the work. Yes. <laughs> but that's all I have. You no, know, I love that. I, I want to end there, but I also always ask people, and I didn't ask this yet, what's one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first started your business? Is there anything that you wish you had known? I think that the profit first model was was one of the major things that I wish I would have known from the start of building any business. So that's, even though it was number one, it's number one because I just spent the last year fixing everything. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who's getting started in business, that would be like the one thing that you can, you can get started with. And, um, it, it actually seems really complicated in the book, but if you look at it's Relay Financial is the bank I use and they they cater their bank accounts to the profit first model. So you can have like different, you know, envelopes and make the movement of money really easy. And um, so I think just making your money really, really set is my number one lesson for anybody in any business, because once that's set, then you're going to love your business, honestly. I've yet to meet somebody who's making a ton of money automated or, or, you know, they may, they may struggle with their business in this season, but if they're making a ton of money, eventually they can figure out how to systemize it, grow it and delegate it. And it makes sense for them. The most complaints or issues that come about when I talk to people about the backside of their business comes about because they're not making the money that they want to be making. 
Yeah. That makes so much sense. Nobody's like, I hate this when they're like able to buy everything they want and hire everybody to do the things they don't want to do and loving life. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, have- I mean, I've had, I, I'll say that there are, there's people, somebody's going to say that there's, this is that person. I have had clients who are making like 700 and on track to make a million in a year and they hated life, mm-hmm. but they hated life because they didn't have a proper money, money system. So they didn't know who, what they could afford. They didn't have a operational system. They didn't have a sales system and they had no way to get out of the day-to-day of their work so it literally hating their business came down to simple systems that were all very fixable thank you so much oh my gosh this was great i feel like we could keep talking i feel like you could probably implement find a million systems i need in my business but i'm gonna go away and think about this now so thank you so much is there any last word of advice you want to leave people with and or tell people how they can find you no, I would love for any of you to reach out to me, share, tag, all of that. I'm at Megan Galane, my name, Megan Galane, on all the social media channels, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. I hang out on all those. Um, so please, you know, t- tell me your takeaways. I'd love to have a chat with you just directly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm really glad we got to talk. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.